Hey, I'm Liv. And I'm Vic. And we're two best friends and artists trying to find wholeness and magic through all practical, holistic, and what she means necessary. Each week, we'll present some new ideology, philosophy, or therapy that is helping us find health and joy authentically on our own terms. From finding outlets for creativity and healing, to navigating our careers and growing as women, we're trying to weave our lives into a magical place to be. Hopefully, you find some magic and healing here, too. Literally Hello. just as I joined this recording, I got a phone call that I assumed to be a spam call because I didn't recognize it, but I literally just like immediately like can't like said like decline. No. So I, I hope it wasn't someone I do know. Important. That would have been rude. Anyways. What? What? <laughs> this face is a lot. What happened? Who was it? They just called saying they wanted to like hire shit. That was not good. Oh my god. Good for you. You just got a job. Okay. Hello. Hello. What a wild morning. (laughs) That was wild. Sorry about that. Anyways, I got accepted to teach English tutoring online. Because I lost my job all within the same month of my parents almost dying. And yeah, it's been a month. (laughs) yeah it's been a lot I think for everybody but especially you for context for anyone listening both of my parents have been hospitalized hospitalized with COVID-19 in the past month they were um they were they were very hit hard by it it was it was not good um but they're they're on the road to recovery now uh, I also like lost my job that I already kind of hated in the first place, but was supporting me for the last year through this pandemic. And um, what else happened? That's it. Nothing. My I'm healthy. I have a mm-hmm. home and friends and new plans. And now I'm teaching English online. So, but no, I was reading Yoga Journal the other day, and they they did like a, they always do like an astrology section where they like pick an astrologer to talk about what's happening and apparently like the beginning of March was an astrological event where like your cup will be emptied that's the way that they sort of phrased it and it was like basically like you you might find yourself starting over um and I very much feel that but all good just goes to show like there's always a silver lining I actually wrote about it a little bit in my blog that was like a egregious self-promotion but isn't a podcast a little bit (laughs) so what are we gonna talk about today um so each week we're gonna have this Vic did something Liv did something or you know we're gonna talk about something we're thinking about or living by or whatever so I'm gonna talk about I guess intuitive movement slash like having fun with that what are you talking about I'm talking about intuitive eating. So we're both being intuitive. Intuitive. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about sort of intuitive eating and the road to eating disorder recovery um, on your own because it's, you can't always, there's not always like a a doctor assisted path, especially not for me. So that's what we're talking about. Um, So we're going to like present a little bit of information our experience and talk about that and then have a little conversation and be a little silly and yeah that's that give a little couple resources for sure cool. uh who wants to go first I, go first. I can or you okay you, you know you you go because you did your thing this morning I did mine's a little, mine's on the lighter side so maybe <laughs> easing into it too yeah um so 
I guess something that I've been doing for the past week or so, and I've been trying to do it a few times a week, but every day when I can and like the weather allows, I've been trying to get on my roller skates and go to the park before all the other like actual skaters. I mean, I guess I'm an actual skater. Anybody skater. Anybody with skates is an actual skater. But um, talent aside, I don't like to be there when a lot of other people are there because a lot of the times people aren't wearing masks and it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, that's gross. Uh, I also find like (laughs) the zooming, you know, there's like the reckless teenage boys. Like me and Liv skate together usually. Um, We (laughs) roller skate. But yeah, the zooming, I can't be there if it's too crowded because I get really scared and nervous to try. Yeah. And then also... I do a little bit less of like the ramps and stuff and more of like the dance skating or just like kind of hanging out skating. Um, so I've been trying to get up and do that. And it's been a really fun way to start my mornings and just like walking five minutes to the park and then going to do that and just kind of like skating around. There's also all these dogs around. Um, and then on the mornings that I don't feel like doing that. And I, I do this between my paintings a lot, like when I'm working on projects and I feel like I have energy that I need to get out. I'll like turn on music and just like have a dance party by myself and I I feel like I look like my like just like a crazy aunt at like a college grad party or something or like like, yeah or just like this kooky like grandma at like the salsa club I don't know um but yeah sometimes I'll do that or just like dance in the morning just to start my day and like get energized. But I feel like I felt very stagnant in terms of like life, but also physically moving my body throughout the pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's just been a very nice way to start my mornings. I've only been doing it for like about a week, but so far so good. Um, and I always feel better when I do work out. And I used I was doing yoga for a really long period of the pandemic um about like three times a week through like donation-based zoom classes and stuff but I feel like not being so called to it lately I guess and I don't really know why I think part of it has to do with I feel like the slowness of it even though it's can be very active is just like not what I'm vibing with right now and I kind of like want to be outside and like to take up space instead of being like in my crowded apartment bedroom or living room you know I feel like it's different when you're like okay I'm inside all day like going to somewhere or like actively moving in very ridiculous ways (laughs) are very different than just like stretching yourself and like finding zen within yourself I'm like it's that I feel like that feels more inside kind of work whereas I feel like lately the work or like the movement work that I've been doing has been very like outside of myself and outside Mm -hmm. like physically literally being like outside yeah Um, you know it's funny I think about this a lot when because I'm in a yoga teacher training I like yoga I'm one of those people I love yoga and it's definitely like my preferred form of of movement if I want like a structured form of movement but it's something I think about all the time when like putting together classes I don't remember the last time I was in a yoga class that was like new or felt like freeing or interesting I feel like everything is the same vinyasa asana blocks and there are like structures to the movements in like their original yogic text but I feel like the original the original purpose of the movement is what you're talking about the original Mm -hmm. purpose of the movement was not 
physical, like something we were talking about in class the other day was this practice was developed at a time where you did not need to seek physical movement. Everyone was a laborer, you know? Yeah. Everybody didn't need more physical movement. So, um, you know, really it was about like finding your inner sort of connection to God or to source energy. You know, it doesn't have to be God is a loaded word. Um, whatever you find to be like the bigger energetic force in the world. And it was really about like using your body as like a holy object. And I really think it's been boiled down to something that ends up being a little bit boring for people at a yeah. point. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I'm still into it. I'll still take a yoga class here and there or like, you know, do my own stretches and stuff. But I think as like the kind of like what you're saying, like the idea of like coming to your mat and like almost having that be like ritual sitting in prayer. And there, there is important part of ritual, right? Like, um, there are like supposed to be five things that keep you connected to this earth. And they're like ritual, place, community, elders, and ancestors. So like, those are, I guess, the schools of thought. Um, that keep you like pulled to and like uh in this world so mm -hmm. like yoga in terms of ritual is like totally part of that but like for me personally right now I feel like I am seeking more outward stuff and like the ritual is coming in because like I guess skating every day is still like a ritual it's just of course, it looks yeah. different you know so yeah that's my thing this week um it's what like fun. inspired the sort of terminology? Did you read it somewhere or is this just something you sort of absorbed? The five like place thing? That and also the... like intuitive movement and Oh, um the five things I think Esther Perel is the one that I don't know if she coined them or whatever, but she is I'm gonna book through this because I didn't prepare this for this podcast but I'm pretty sure she is a therapist she's based out of somewhere in Europe okay um and she is a therapist I think that works with sexual relations and intimate relationships um That's but cool. my personal therapist finds a lot of inspiration from her and so my awesome. therapist will kind of relay information that she thinks is applicable to my life from cool. all these other sources that she um, reads and talks about and like goes to events and, you know, all, or like virtual events right now and like all that stuff. Um, so she told me about that. But then with the intuitive movement, I guess I called it that. Just <laughs> It is a thing though. It, I've like, come across it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where I've seen it before, but it feels like for me, I'm not just going to skate to like go get exercise, even though that's totally part of it. And I'm not going to skate to like, just have ritual like it's a mix of the two like I'm going to like move my body because I'm sitting all day or if I'm painting I'm just standing all day you know it's one of the two but I'm not necessarily like moving and it is very different from going on walks because I go on really you know me I go on super long walks I could go for like a 10 mile walk and like just that's normal and fine like I'll walk to Manhattan across the bridge and then like go for a loop and come back just like if I feel like it um but for me those walks are for like thinking about ideas that are either for my work or like kind of marinating in something that I just read or thought about or um, maybe listening to a podcast or like kind of zoning out and 
listening to music it's kind of like how some people get ideas in the shower it's like the same thing it's like when you're just doing what's so natural to you so for me that's kind of going on super long walks to wherever um but that feels very different than actively going to skate or like move in a fun way or dance or whatever like mm-hmm. I'm not a good dancer but <laughs> it's fun and I, also I think it's relative necessarily, yeah I don't do it because I'm good at either of these things necessarily like I think it's fun um and like interesting and exciting um and it's also cool to get better at something like I've gotten significantly better on my skates in the past like week than I have I think in a in a long time um and I fell back in December and like potentially tore my meniscus. We'll see this week (laughs) because I've waited for so long to get an MRI, but I got approved by insurance. So I'm going to go get that done this weekend. And um, yeah, so I've been kind of like weary to get back on them, but it feels fine enough. So I'm doing it anyways. And I'm also going to take a break from it. If I feel like my body is saying like, don't, don't continue. But right now I feel fine. So that's something yeah. that really gets with me with skating because I love it. Uh, I used to figure skate when I was younger. So like the sort of movement, the gliding movement, I've never mm-hmm. been good with the balls movement, the hand-eye coordination thing. And I've always been like a, a skater and I, I love the movement, but it's so dangerous sometimes. Like mm-hmm. it really does scare me. Like you can, and like you can hurt yourself like playing soccer, obviously that's very intensive, but like not quite the same as hurtling yourself right. on wheels towards like a standing object. So sometimes that really does like, cause I'm an adult now, you know, when I was learning how to ice skate, like I was You're a closer l- to the ground. Yeah, I was so close <laughs> to the ground and falling didn't feel like a big deal. And now I'm like, shit, I could like fuck up my life on these things mm-hmm. but it's also fun and worth it so oh god we're getting old so, but the thing is like that's so young like <laughs> why do we have hip and knee problems what the hell you know yeah so, no you, I you totally do have to be extra careful even though like I'm on all my gear like I wear like all the pads and whatever yeah. and I don't like drop in <laughs> or anything at least not yet so I tried I once know. I bruised my tailbone for like it wasn't the same for literally like six months like um, I could feel like my tailbone aching for like literally six months from trying dropping it once I did bite (laughs) off more than I can chew I literally just thought it would be easy and I like dived into a concrete bowl which is not recommendable scary I mean once you get over the fear it's easier but like part of the intuitive thing is more just having fun with it and not necessarily being the best at it yeah I think and skating you know everything that we're talking about really does require you to like it skating does have to be intuitive like it's mm-hmm. like the nature of it like you have to be thinking about where your body is and how it feels and like how you're sensing things and how you're moving mm-hmm. so I do find it is such a a stress reliever and it is sort of a mind body experience that you don't get from things like going to the gym or some people you know I know some people get that from weightlifting. Uh, that's mm-hmm. de- definitely not my thing but you know some people is like if you know you could hurt yourself if you're not thinking about this weight and like your body and your right mind, so you know yeah I was doing that before the pandemic and like I super did not mind like going to the gym running a mile and then like doing some kind of weightlifting and like mm-hmm. focusing on a certain body part per I was just want to go fix my glasses and they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, I was doing that before the pandemic and I was super okay with that. And it it was that for me, but I realized kind of in retrospect now that it was kind of also me not, part of it was intuitive, right? In that like 
you know you're going to hurt yourself if you lift too much or if you stay at the gym or even skate for too long you know like you're fatigued you should stop otherwise you could hurt yourself like sometimes that's after 15 minutes sometimes after that's two hours right and it changes per day which is great and something that you have to pay attention to but also part of going to the gym for me was very like I'm just gonna go do this thing and completely tune out and it almost turned into while the intuitive part is still kind of there it was totally like I'm on autopilot and there was no thought like thinking involved at all because I was like okay like these are the exercises I do for arm day these are the exercises I do for like leg day whatever and and then you just leave and then you go home but then sometimes I'd be like what the fuck did I just do for two hours or for an hour like however long I was there for whereas with skating since it's also like kind of dancing and also kind of like everything matters like every movement almost matters um and like how you feel matters throughout whatever and even the music that you're listening to matters if you're listening to music um it feels a little bit more connected whereas when I was at the gym it was totally just like I'm here to relieve stress and that's totally good and like to stay fit but other than that I'm not necessarily like completely here like mentally a lot of the times I was somewhere else and especially if it was like a repetitive thing like if I was on the stair climber for like 20 minutes I was not there like I was not on that stair climber it's more regimented so so you just kind of set the regimen and some people need that but I'm trying to like live into myself more um in like all parts of my life so right now that's not for me and like maybe that's your escape and that's great for you and kudos and I'm glad um but I feel like after this past year of like a lot of reflection it's been very much like I need to be present in all parts of my life and sometimes escapism is like super nice you know but I feel like I'm trying to be more intentional about that that stuff and notice when something is like something can still be good for you and you could still be like using it as like an escape. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, even like watching movies, right? Like you kind of go into that place of like, I'm not here you, or you don't have to be here if you're not like analyzing or like truly like watching it, studying it. Yeah. But, like a lot of the times you could just sit there and be like, I am done. I'm not here. I'm turning off. Um, or you could be super engaged. So just like, it's like that movie out. Soul. Have you seen the little Pixar movie Soul? No. Oh, it's really cute. It's it's very it's so complex. I heard good things. It's so good, and it's really about like a man who loves music, but his love for it is sort of making him like be very detached from his life. It sort of becomes very obsessive, and his love mm. for losing himself in the music. It, you know, we we romanticize that, like, oh, getting lost in your craft. And he does do that, and it's wonderful, but it is sort of removing him from his reality. And it's it's like mm-hmm. a very beautiful sort of melodic sort of him fun. It's very, very cute. What's funny is we didn't plan this either, because I'm talking about intuitive eating this week, and we both just sort of talked about, like, brought, turned on the Zoom, and we're like, what are you talking about this week? And Liv was like, yeah. sort of intuitive movement. I was like, that's funny. I guess this might be a good segue if you feel yeah yeah, yeah, into, yeah. so I am talking about sort of intuitive eating as a school of thought this week but I'm 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 pretty much talking about eating disorder recovery like I was telling Liv before we started recording I was like I am always so 
reluctant to like say I'm recovering from an eating disorder because to me it's like I I think we see whenever we see eating disorders in media and sort of storytelling which is kind of you know that's a good sort of building block as to how we view the world is like storytelling and it's very personal so a lot of people don't really want to talk about something like an eating disorder but you know it's always very life-threatening it's always very extreme Mm -hmm. and it's it's not very nuanced a lot of the time it's like your eating disorder is killing you and therefore we we must fix it Uh, and I think that's the majority of the media and sort of the representation I've seen around eating disorders um But yeah, you know, I think a lot of this podcast was born out of like me and Liv being locked inside due to the pandemic. You know, we very much were where we both live in New York City. I mean, we live together now, but we didn't always. Um, And I think staring at a wall for months on end, like really forces you to reflect on things and your life and the things that are sort of not serving you and I think I also gained weight you know I think that people gained weight during the pandemic a lot of people you know I've seen so many people talking about like my pants don't fit anymore I had to buy new pants I had to buy new jeans like it's very upsetting to me that I've had to you know face these sort of things and because we're not moving like we for the Mm. first part of the pandemic we were sitting inside doing maybe one walk a day but you know when you live in New York City like the act of living in New York is exercise in and of itself you're running up and down subways and so you know you you sort of exercise without even thinking about it and I started gaining weight once the pandemic happened and that has never happened to me like in my life I have been the same size since I was probably like 15 and that in and of itself is unhealthy like I'm a 24 year old woman I should not be the same size and weight 10 years yeah that's 10 years you know and I realized like that's weird that gaining this pretty insignificant amount of weight I'm healthy much healthier now than I was before the pandemic honestly because of having to work through this but like I just that was my first thought like it shouldn't be this big of a deal that my body is changing this little you know Mm -hmm. like and I sort of was reflecting on how much throughout the day I had anxiety about food and, you know, my body, what it looked like, what clothes I was wearing, what my hair looked like. I just, I had so much anxiety around like every part of my appearance. And it was, it was manifesting itself in ways I, I used to think were healthy, probably because of the rhetoric we hear from diet culture. And just, you know, we live in such a I think it's just so yucky the society that we live in when it comes like bodies and women and we don't talk about it you know like we don't know we don't talk about how like women are just expected to always want to be smaller to be thinner Mm -hmm. to wear tighter clothes and to just shrink themselves constantly and I think almost every woman I've ever met has faced that pressure without even acknowledging it like that is just normal right and I mean that's also like patriarchy is so omnipresent and we don't recognize how it manifests in our own thoughts and every single day in our lives and like that's part of it like of course women are less than men like women are not supposed to take up space Shrink. women are like etc cetera, etc cetera. you're supposed to be small because you're less than you're supposed to be delicate and like little and like it's also like you stop fetishizing like girls right yeah like if that's what we're gonna get into like that's kind of where it goes to um but yeah it's totally like 
until you take a step back out of your own situation in mind until like like you had mm-hmm. or you're able to over this past year it's like you don't realize how everywhere and like encapsulating it's so insidious. these larger ideas and systems are and how much obviously like what you're talking about today how much they actually affect the day-to-day and so much of your day-to-day yeah it's so insidious I I think you're so right like we really don't examine it because it's almost it's the perfect sort of gaslight it's been branded as health mm-hmm. it's been branded as good for you right. which is just so horrible to brand like a poison as good for you and as something that you have to partake in it's so horrible um and I think that because it was branded as health and it was I I have always been petite I was always praised for it I'm also Korean and in Korean culture there's I mean, naturally, it's, it, it, oh, yeah. it's so fat phobic. It's awful, mm-hmm. you know, thinness. And it's also not necessarily considered rude when an elder or family member says like, oh, you've gained weight or you're getting fat or um, why why are you wearing that? Yeah. You looked better last year when I saw you yeah. at this family reunion, whatever It's it very is. vain. It's and a, it's it's very fine yeah. to say to somebody. It's nobody not rude. is like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So like it is normal to praise thinness like the thin pale dark hair look like and I have looked like that for a lot of my life and it's it's something that I used to think was like my mom has also sort of said this to me and I it's like that is my blessing and I must maintain that mm-hmm. you know so when your identity is so wrapped up in something like this and it's it's sort of told to you that it's such a good part of your identity and it's great and I also worked in entertainment I was an actor for a period of time and you know there's so much pressure there and with looking a certain way all of these things compounding on top of one another and me not even thinking about the fact that it's it's causing me to hurt myself is that sort of all came like rushing in when people stopped looking at me because we weren't going anywhere people only ever saw my face on a zoom call uh, I couldn't get the validation of people being like, you're thin and beautiful and, and you look this certain way. I wish I looked that way, which I realized I was wanting too much and allowing myself to feel good about in ways that were not constructive, you know, and always needing to look that way because I was on camera a lot before, mm. which is an, another compounding factor on top of all of these things. You know, I... I always needed to look a certain way. And that was the way that, you know, the the version of a woman that is sold to women, you know, thin, feminine, traditionally feminine, you know, not too ostentatious, very like in in fashion. And so I, I always that was that was the most central part to my identity. And I realized I would never tell another woman she needed to look like that. Like never Mm -hmm. in my life. I was like, why am I holding myself to this standard that I would never ask another woman? And all of the women I admired didn't look like that. All of the women Mm -hmm. I loved and thought were brilliant and beautiful, like did not look like that. They were weirdos. (laughs) Like they were, you know, they were strange. They were off kilter and they were willing to like live outside of that sort of ideal I was like okay so why am I doing this anymore I have a loving partner who does not care if I look like that like I have friends that don't care if I look like that I'm harming myself I'm being quite judgmental of myself and others that was sort of what made me feel really sort of shameful about 
buying into this aesthetic ideal is like this I like if I'm judging myself to look this way in some subconscious part of me I think everyone should look this way because that's what the school of thought is you know Mm -hmm. everyone should look this way and if you do look that way naturally or not or choose to I do think that's like fine and but it's all like it comes down to choice and the reasons as to why I think you're making those choices and deciding if they're healthy or not you know yeah and it I think I think the biggest thing that I've had to learn is like because it then when you start breaking these things down you realize you have no internal compass for anything Mm. with your (laughs) with your body with your exercise exercise which is I I hate that Mm. word I hate that we've turned being alive and doing something enjoyable moving yeah Yeah, into something that can be sold it's so frustrating mm-hmm. um and it and then the re- capitalism exactly the rhetoric Kills. the rhetoric around <laughs> it is so yucky but yeah you know i i just think that it's about choice and it's very hard to make choices about what's good for you and what's not when you have no internal compass so like i removed i worked hard to first like remove and it, I mean, I'm still working to remove, but to reflect on like where these voices were coming from, that took a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. Love my therapist. Um, <laughs> you know, like reflect where these voices were coming from because they weren't just leaking into what I thought I looked like. It was my worth. It was my ability to perform with work and my art. Like mm-hmm. it was really leaking itself in. And, you know, it got so bad when I, my body finally wasn't cooperating with me and gained that weight that like it just had to be addressed. Um, and I think that having no compass once removing those voices is even harder than Mm. having those voices because for years, you know, like I said, I hadn't, I haven't gained a pound since I was 15. Like that for years, that compass was so reliable to me. And then once I removed it and I started, you know, listening to other, like I couldn't afford generally the path to eating disorder recovery involves a lot of different types of medical or non-medical therapies it's like talk therapy psychotherapy sometimes you have to cure other sort of syndromes first like anxiety and Mm -hmm. then there's nutritionists there's like so it's a panel of experts right and it's also all very expensive exactly i can't a lot of the time right and i'm sure also I think those things, those therapies are very, very helpful um, and necessary. But then also there's like, in terms of access money, right? Like that's a thing. And then also I feel like kind of like where you started with the idea the media portrays and like people in general, I feel like have around eating disorders and eating disorder recovery is like that 2006 movie Thin or like the one that Lily Collins was in to the bone. Yeah. that's what I think of. I feel like those are what you think of. And those are extreme, very extreme. And then also like, they don't show like the gradual, like they show how hard and gripping and whatever it is, but it's not like they show like what the work that truly, truly, truly needs to be done and how it never really ends. The work doesn't end. You no, know? It's, like, it's... it's like therapy in general. Like you don't just stop one day and just be like, you're healed. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, So I feel like it's kind of the same thing. And I also feel like access to these therapies and means of help are even 
more far and few between for like poor communities, women of color. Oh yes, yeah, and it you know it even changes based on you know yeah it's not all the same no it's not all the same you know and like I'm not saying that being thin or fitting this ideal absolves you from having to suffer from this because it doesn't and that's the worst part Mm, you could fit into this ideal and it will still press in on you if you subscribe to it forever Mm. you know you could be and because I I did look that way I looked that way people thought I looked that way men thought I looked that way so then it started leaking into my relationships like my sort of need for that sort of male gaze like it you can look that way and it will still grip you it's so terrible um Mm. but then I sort of I did I started I all I can afford is a talk therapist uh, like a licensed one obviously yes yes. but like (laughs) I have had to navigate the actual clinical solutions to all of this because you know identifying the problem is the first thing reflecting on it but then you do need a solution a new replacement because i can't stop eating i can't stop moving i can't stop putting clothes on my body these are all things Mm -hmm. that you can't escape um so i found intuitive eating actually through tiktok there's you know i don't think we talk i think we like to talk a lot about like the negative aspects of social media the scrolling the being on our phone these corporations aren't always the best corporations but the way that people are using these platforms i think is really lovely i think we're seeing like so much like I, like the generation under us we're 24 you know like teenagers i think that we're just seeing like so much desire to like band together and like fix problems i'm seeing like such a trend of like body positivity inclusivity like you know of all the all identifying sort of existences and i love that and i downloaded tiktok because didn't everyone and i found like all of these tiktoks and stuff about intuitive eating and then you know your algorithms start picking it up it's the algorithms they're like use me so it's like oh you like this which is sort of a positive use of the algorithm it's like you like this thing that is good for you let's start showing it to you everywhere Mm -hmm. so like all of these nutritionists women who look like me yeah good advice like yeah yeah. dietitians you know not I don't know if that's a a used term anymore nutritionists let's say um all an intuitive eating sort of popped up as a school of thought because I guess it's like the most modern and and it seems to be the most effective like school of thought when it comes to teaching eating um and stuff for eating disorder recovery I I would say just like a little bit of background if I I don't I don't want to diagnose myself because I'm not a doctor and I wouldn't want anybody else to like diagnose them. that yeah to themselves or to you yeah that might be uh, potentially dangerous it sounds like um but I know the habits that I have and it's um it's under eating um it's it's extreme regimenting of my exercise and under eating um and I'm, I'm sure there is a world in which that could fit into anorexia. I don't know if I could see a specialist. I'm sure they would tell me. Um, but I know that under eating has caused a lot of problems for me, like hormone problems, depression. I had a really hard struggle with acne when I was like 21, 22. And I know that's pretty common. But um, I had also like gone through the struggle once when I was in high school and like fixed it. And then it came back. Uh, and I do think it was like very persistent. I think it was exacerbated by under eating. And these are all symptoms that people don't talk about when it comes to under eating. And I was like, you know, I eat so clean. How could I have acne? It's like, well, you're not just because you eat spinach doesn't mean you're treating your body well, you know? Right. 
So I found intuitive eating and that was like really helpful. And I would definitely, if you are sort of experiencing the same things, it sounds like you are experiencing the same things that I was under eating. I also, I swung the pendulum swung. I would under eat for really long periods of time. And then I would binge eat. Um, and it would be sort of like, Ooh, cheating fun. But like, you know, I don't think there's makes you feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so I didn't have a way to healthfully enjoy food or, or healthfully like, and consistently feed myself or exercise. I had a lot of anxiety around all of those things, just like grocery shopping, eating when I was going to exercise, how much I was going to exercise. Like, that compass was gone and I had so much anxiety around it because it used to be so important to do those things very consistently. Um, so I, the main person that I like, she has a blog. Um, her Instagram handle is I'ma eat that, which is funny. She's a nutritionist and she's an intuitive eating nutritionist. Um, and I'll link her. It's I'ma like I M M A and then eat that. She's great. Um, and she has a blog that she links on her Instagram. She's, so wonderful. I really, really love her. And she also like, it is partially lifestyle because it's, this isn't just medical. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not just something you can treat medically. It's like, you also have to like, you have to heal the inside, the, the mental, right. the emotional space as well. So there are so many factors that go into healing right, something like this because eating is your life. Like that is how you right. remain alive. I um I have a friend that is going through the same thing right now mm -hmm. um who luckily and fortunately is also able to see a therapist about it but they were on the other side so I believe they were bulimic for mm -hmm. a really long time um but their therapist mentioned to them so then they mentioned to me like it's been very difficult and recovery for an eating disorder is always very difficult no matter where on the spectrum for that you fall um, because like with drugs or alcohol, it's a disease as well. But with that, you can stop cold turkey because those are not things you need to ingest. Yeah. Um, but with eating, it's like patriarchy, like we're, <laughs> we're so omnipresent, like it's everywhere. Food is so part of life culture, like it is everything and you have to do it to survive. So to have those cues from your body that are telling you I'm hungry, I am full, like you have to relearn what that means. And you have to relearn how you should think about food. It's not and you it's work that you have to do every single day, several times a day. So it's not like you can be like, uh, like, even in general, like talk therapy, if you're not talking about this specific topic, if you're talking about almost literally anything else, you can be like, I'm going to talk about it now. And then I'm going to put it down and revisit later when I'm ready and able with food, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of, I mean, for at least long periods of time, you can't yeah. you know, do that. So it's, it's very brave that you're doing this. You. Um, <laughs> of course, but it's like, it is because it's so hard. Like it's so hard. It's so much easier to just like not think about something. Yeah. Especially when it's an issue, but then to have to think about it all the time well what scared me straight horrible. really um yeah was that I could keep going on like this and I think that mm -hmm. like there's so much shame around pleasure in our society but like just enjoying food is important like enjoying your life and being able to you know skip a day of your exercise regimen like to do something fun or more important is I think 
you know, and there's so much shame around that. I see mm-hmm. growing up and still doing this and I don't, I don't want that. Like, and I'm at it. Right. I think 24 is a tipping point. Like, I think mm-hmm. if we're right on the edge of like being set, you know, like being the person I, and we're always changing, I think, but I think it, right now, I think this is the first time in our lives where if we don't start addressing things, they will stick with us for a very, very, very long time. Yes, I agree. Be the change you want to see. Exactly. And I wanted to see myself happy and to not care that I my hips are getting a little bigger or my stomach is not perfectly flat or I started by something simple. I cut my hair off. You know, it used to be for so Mm -hmm. long. It was so important to me to have this long, idyllic, feminine, traditionally feminine hair. And I, I, I liked so many other styles I was seeing. I was like, I haven't done anything fun to my hair and like years when I was a teenager I would like bleach it and I I used to do crazy things to my hair every week and then it just sort of that didn't fit into the ideal so I was like just I just need to try something new so I cut it all off and I got a mullet you know something that is not I mean it's very popular right now but it's not traditionally feminine or you know this ideal that I had in my head so I started there I started with something small that seems like it could do nothing but that had a huge impact for me it changed how I dress um you know makeup I stopped putting on makeup every day obviously because why you know we're not Mm. unless you like some people are like makeup is my joy it's my art it's my life like that's great do that every day do your makeup however you want right do what makes you feel good but I wasn't doing what made me feel good I was doing what made me look a certain way and could present a certain way um and I think that was the most insidious thing so you know intuitive eating has really been a joy and that was like an actual medical problem I needed to solve because there's the medical and then there's the like emotional holistic sense but Mm -hmm. I needed to start eating more consistently and and reaching a certain amount of food that my body needed um and there's the numbers game like calories and stuff which I do think when you are in eating disorder recovery and you see a nutritionist that is that is recommended in the beginning because they need to scientifically make sure you are getting enough nutrition at the beginning um but you know, for me, the numbers game was always something I used to harm myself, less, less numbers, less numbers, less calories, less fat. Um, And that's another thing you have to relearn how to use things you used to use to be bad for you to be good for you. You know, Mm -hmm. like I used to use exercise and eating in a way that was bad for me. I used to use fun things like dressing and makeup and in a way that was not good for my mental health. So now I'm having to relearn how to use those things in ways that are good for my mental health and make me happy um, and joyful because that really is the goal here is not just to be medically healthy, but to be happy and joyful. And that was another thing I had to work with was like the shame around that being the goal. Uh, So I also recently started journaling my food. That was something I used to do to make sure I wasn't eating too much, but now it's something I do that reduces my anxiety or because I still have sort of the hum of anxiety. It's like, am I eating enough? Am I eating nutritionally Mm -hmm. enough? Am I eating blah? So that sort of hovers around my healthful eating as well. So the journaling has helped me. Uh, And there's also ways to food journal and intuitive eating that are more helpful than like caloric journaling. So I started doing that recently and it did help this time, which is a weird sensation doing something you used to do that was bad for you that is now good for you. It's very beautiful that you're able to turn something that was bad into something that is good. That's yeah. It's very nice. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you think so and I this process yeah. has been something that has like opened up my life, not mm-hmm. I was afraid it would make it more regimented and it has not. It has made my life 
a lot happier and has made my relationships a lot easier. That's another thing. It hurts your relationships. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it harms you from enjoying getting dinner or breakfast with friends or having sex or, you know, like it, it really leaks into every portion of your life. And I, I really send sympathies out to anybody who is, I think a lot of women are dealing with it. Not everyone. I don't want to project my experience onto everyone, but I do think many women deal with some aspect of this. And if you're mm -hmm. trying to address it, um, it's hard. It's so complex. It literally has like tentacles in every area of your life. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it's only been a year sort of of recovery for me. So I, I know that I will be sort of handling this forever, but it is getting easier and it is bringing more joy into my life. So I guess that is sort of the ending note, I would like to say um, that it does bring more joy in your life to let these things go. Yeah, I feel like intuitive in general, I feel like it really intuitive everything is just I feel like at the base of it just being connected with how you feel and like who you are and what you want and feeling your emotions like it just all it's very like you're saying how this has leaked into every part of your life for me like skating has leaked into like other parts of my life like I start my day off and I'm just like significantly happier because I did something that was fun and like goofy yeah. <laughs> and like I just moved and I feel like everything is connected to everything you know yeah, it's very holistic. That could be a proverb if it's not already. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> but, but it's just tuning into and listening to your body and your thoughts and what you feel like doing. Yeah. Sometimes, and also like there are bumps in the road too. Like there are some days I'm sure you eat like anything you want or just like nothing or absolutely, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then same for me, like while eating hasn't necessarily been a problem for me, mostly because because of like medical stuff yeah, my weight have, fluctuates yeah. like 35 ish pounds at a time which is kind of a lot for somebody of my stature but like I've been many I have pant sizes that range like so many inches where it's just like well I know something will fit like <laughs> at some point and like I'm at a place finally where like I'm kind of okay with that like the first time I gained so much weight all at once I was like what the fuck like <laughs> I it wasn't I luckily it wasn't so extreme because I, I think it was more like emotional than it was like um emotional in terms of like I don't know who I am now that I look different mm -hmm. but not necessarily like I have to change this it was more like acceptance and being sad about it rather than like I have to go back like because I, I was on medicine where I quite literally could not go back so for me my experience has been different but there are lots of parts that I do think overlap for lots of different women. And like, again, like it's all part of the system we live in. It's part of everybody's life. I think that sort of the message of like intuitive movement, intuitive eating, it's like, it's okay. And it's the best route for you to just live in a way that is going to make you happy, genuinely happy mm -hmm. and joyful. Like, cause that is the goal here. Like, it's not just, I, I'm, I'm most of what I'm curing is emotional, you know, it's not just mm -hmm. medical. It's like, it's not just what I'm putting in my mouth. It's how I am living my life and the priorities I have in my daily life. So, and the goal of that is to ultimately like be happy. And that's mm -hmm. not really a life goal. I think that most of our societies, like, you know, it's not the goal and uh, the rhetoric no. and the job and the, you know, it's like, it's okay to do the things that are just going to make you feel better. I think that that might be a, it doesn't sound like a radical statement. I think it is. I agree.
good. I think that's the yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll like post all of these links. And if you've listened yes. this far, thank you. Thanks. That's so nice <laughs> of you. Oh my God. Rate, comment, subscribe, share. Tell your friends. Um, tell your friends. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll just figure out what we're talking about next week. Yeah, we'll let you know. And we'll see you there. <laughs>